Well, good afternoon. Uh, it is five o'clock, uh, Wednesday, March the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, March is almost done. A week from today will be the very last day. Uh, of March, and uh, we'll be in the middle of Holy Week, too, next week. Uh, this week, uh, this Sunday, is going to be Palm Sunday, uh, and then the week after that, obviously, is going to be Easter Sunday. Uh, just a real quick uh, invite to some of our uh, events coming up for Easter. Uh, this uh, upcoming Sunday, we're going to have a choir special uh, in the morning. Uh, Mark's going to have uh, an expanded praise team, mini choir, uh, that's going to lead us in some some songs and, and worship, focusing on Easter next Wednesday evening here at the church. If you can make it here at 615, uh, we'll be doing a Lord's Supper service uh, in, in our sanctuary. Uh, we're going to be over there for that. And then uh, a week from Sunday, Easter Sunday, we are, we're going to do an 830 uh, sunrise service uh, outside, weather permitting. Uh, we've had real good uh, opportunities to do that. I think one one year, uh, last year we had some rain too, but uh, that was a, uh, we're just going to blame everything on COVID last year. Uh, but only one other year, I think we've not been able to do it outside. So looking forward to having that outside service at uh, 8.30. And we're going to do a simple breakfast here at the church at 9.15 uh, in our CLC, uh, our temporary sanctuary. And then we're going to have our praise service, uh, celebration service that morning as well. In the CLC, uh, where we're doing our, our current worship at 10 o'clock. So hopefully you can join us for some of those things. We're going to have things uh, this Sunday. The children are going to have a, a special service uh, on their own. Uh, Mr. Ron and Miss Leah are going to be working with them uh, and getting them ready for Easter uh, as we are uh, worshiping in the uh, CLC. So a lot of good things going on for Easter, and, and we're starting to see things kind of loosen up a little bit. We're able to start being able to do a little bit more. Uh, last year, we were right in the middle of the shutdown and uh, all the uncertainty of everything that was going on. So I'm glad we're at least moving in a better direction this year and, and pray that we will continue to do so. So good things happening uh, as we end out March and as we look uh, toward Easter as well. So thank you for joining me this, uh, this afternoon or whenever you happen to watch this uh, or listen to it. Uh, we are going to finish up today looking at the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> open up to Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 9 through 15. Uh, the prayer is actually 9 through 13, uh, but we have been going all the way through verse 15. Uh, we'll focus more so on verse 13 this week. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into our study here this evening. Father, we come before you right now, and we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for this powerful prayer, uh, this uh, model prayer, uh, as you were teaching your disciples how to pray uh, as we discover through this prayer, it wasn't so much about the specific words that were said, but uh, the, the truth and the meaning behind these words. And I pray that as we have been studying this together, that uh, you have opened our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are and who we can be and who we should be in you. Uh, so thank you for that uh, this afternoon and help us as we learn to pray in the, the way you've called us to pray, uh, to draw closer to you and to see lives changed, our own and others. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen. Now let me go ahead and uh, read um, the Lord's Prayer one more time for us. Um, again, we're looking at the what we have recorded in Matthew's version, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, but Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Jesus says this, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven those 
forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's where the prayer ends, but Christ goes on to explain, really, verse 12 a little bit more fully. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Uh, We discussed all that together about three or four weeks ago now, uh, and we actually looked at the first part of verse 13, uh, the uh, phrase that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We actually looked at that two weeks ago. Uh, last week, we weren't able to meet. We had some severe weather coming through and uh, more severe weather coming through again tomorrow, it looks like, uh, but not affecting our opportunity to gather together here uh, this evening. So a real quick uh, recap from two weeks ago. Uh, we looked at the first part of that phrase where we're, we're talking there about uh, lead us not into temptation, talking about uh, the fact that we are tempted. I started off that study there talking about asking the question, you know, is sin fun? Uh, how would you answer that? And uh, I answer it in the positive, but I always give the explanation for it. There's always a caveat to that. Yes, there is something that we are drawn to in order to sin. If, if it didn't have some kind of a pleasure to us, if we didn't think there was some at least initial benefit, we wouldn't do it. But the consequences to sin are always bad. They're always negative. Uh, and so uh, depending on how you think about that and, 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 and how you address that, you may look at it differently. But yes, there is a, a fun factor to sin, but sin always leads to uh, bad consequences and and actually damaging to us. So uh, the the short-term gain is not worth, and there isn't a really short-term gain, the short-term feelings you get from sin uh, are vastly outweighed by the negative that comes from that. Uh, But this whole idea of temptation and and where temptation comes from, uh, and so we're praying here, uh, God, don't lead us into temptation. Now, what the actual prayer is, God would never lead us into temptation. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. God will test us, but God will never tempt us. And the difference between those two being the fact that testing leads toward positive outcomes, whereas temptation always leads toward negative outcomes. Uh, God will test us, and and we may even fail those tests. Uh, we've seen people in Scripture that have failed tests for a time, but even on an earthly standard, just uh, teachers, if they give a test, the the goal for that test is to find out where those students are, uh, with the idea, with the uh, intended outcome to be. Even if they don't, if if they do poorly on that test, to say, well, this is where you are. This is what you don't know. This is what you do need to know. Uh, this is how we can actually strengthen you in this area, or we can send you in a different direction if you need to do that. So testing is always intended for a positive outcome uh, to help people grow stronger. Whereas temptation is just the opposite of that. Temptation is always to tear you down, to break you apart, to pull you um, farther down. So Satan tempts us, whereas God tests us, and there's a major difference between the two. So when we pray that prayer to God, lead us not into temptation, God isn't going to lead us into temptation, but we know that we are susceptible to temptation. Uh, And so we're asking God, help us to get on that right path, help us to avoid those wrong paths, that broad path that leads to death and destruction, put us on the narrow path, the good path that leads to life and and holiness and all the good things that we can get. So that's what we're praying for, not that God is going to tempt us, but so so that he can keep us from those temptations. And that's kind of what we want to focus on a little bit more here uh, this evening. 
a passage of Scripture I think that helps us to understand God's understanding of this is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. And we're told this in this passage. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Uh, This wonderful passage here from the writer of Hebrews telling us that Jesus uh, experienced temptation while he was living here on the earth, but he didn't sin. Uh, And so that tells us one thing, that it's not a sin to be tempted, it's what you do with that temptation, uh, what what the outcome will be. Are you going to give into that temptation? Are you going to say no to that temptation and go in, in the right direction? Christ was tempted, but he never succumbed to that temptation and, and never sinned. At least three occasions that uh, we, we see in Scripture and, and others as well, but three that I pulled out here for us to think of. The first one that most people go to is right after Christ's baptism. Uh, he is led out into the wilderness. Uh, he's about to begin his earthly ministry, so he's about 30 years old. He's about to enter into that time of, of calling his disciples and, and publicly proclaiming who he is. Uh, he is led off into the wilderness for 40 days he fasts, and Satan comes to him, and Satan tempts him. Uh, three three temptations. The first one had to do with physical appetite uh, because he was hungry, and Satan says, well, why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread if you are the Son of God? And Jesus says, no, uh, man doesn't live by uh, bread alone, but by the Word of God. Uh, so he said no to that temptation of trying to fulfill his personal pleasures, uh, his even his, his personal need at that time, uh, in a wrong way. The second temptation was Satan took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, and he said, if you'll just bow down to me, you can have all these things. Uh, you, you, you're claiming to be king of kings and lord of lords. He says, let's just kind of bypass all the cross and let's bypass all the suffering. And if you'll just bow down to me and worship me, you can have all this. Uh, and again, Christ didn't succumb to that either. Uh, he wasn't going to take a shortcut uh, to gain what was already rightfully his and what he would have gained through the cross. So he said no to that temptation of submitting to uh, giving himself, selling himself to the Satan to do that. Third temptation was took him up to the temple, uh, heights of the temple, and he said, if you'll throw yourself down, you can call the angels uh, and you won't even stub your toe uh, when you hit, hit the ground. And that was a temptation to be a uh, a popular leader, somebody that's going to do it through uh, saving himself uh, and uh, focusing on, on on his powers rather than on focusing on God. And so he said no to that temptation as well. That, that's probably the most famous of the temptation times, but there's other times too. One is actually what we celebrate uh, the week before Easter, what we call Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry. That's when Christ came into Jerusalem. Uh, He knew he was headed for the cross. Uh, The gospel writers spend more time on this final week uh, of Christ's life and ministry than any other place in his ministry. Uh, because this is pivotal to what he's going to do. As he enters into Jerusalem, uh, the people are proclaiming him king. He comes in riding on the donkey. He's fulfilling prophecy in Zechariah, other places as well. Uh, The people are shouting, Hosanna, you're going to save us. Uh, It would be very easy for him at this point to become that earthly king. Uh, And that was a real temptation uh, for for him uh, and for others to try to do that. That's what they thought the, the Messiah was going to do, was going to sit on an earthly throne and live in that way, uh, and Christ didn't succumb to the, the people's pro- proclaiming him of who he is. 
And then the the last uh, of the temptations, or at least another one that we see in Scripture, is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he makes that prayer. Uh, Luke's Gospel tells us that he's praying so hard, it's like uh, sweating blood because of the, the agony that he's going through. And he prays, you know, Father, if there's any other way, if this cup can pass from me, let it be done a different way. There was a real agony there because he knew what he was going to face, not just the physical pain, as difficult as that would be for somebody, but also the the spiritual separation, the spiritual pain that he was going to be, be taking on as he bore the sins of, of all of humanity. Uh, and so it was a real temptation. God, let's not do this. Let's do it a different way. Uh, but of course, we know he prayed, not my will, your will be done. So Christ was tempted. And, and even though we may not be tempted exactly as Christ was, uh, we can see that uh, all those temptations are the similar to the temptations that we have, the temptation to fulfill our own personal desires, our gratify the flesh, whatever that might be, through food or uh, in, in other ways, uh, to gratify the, the need to have power and, and authority and to gain that popularity, uh, and even that uh, uh, the, the temptation to uh, draw people's attention to us rather than to God. So we are susceptible to all those things. Uh, those are common. If you you can always you can go all the way back to uh, Genesis chapter three, the temptation that uh, Adam and Eve eventually succumb to through Satan's temptation of them, and you can see that they there's parallels there. So Christ was tempted in all the ways that we were, and yet he was without sin. Uh, he was able to say no and do it uh, God's way, do it the do it the right way. And so we're praying, uh, saying, God, lead us not into temptation. Help us to get on that right path. Um, and, and God will honor that if we will listen and if we will obey him. Uh, and so uh, Christ becomes that pathway. He, he becomes the avenue that we can see how we need to live a righteous life. And when we succumb to temptation, because we will, uh, we, we all have. Uh, that doesn't mean that we should. doesn't mean we should just blow it off. Well, I'm going to sin anyway. But uh, it does mean that uh, we, we have a, an advocate for us, Jesus Christ, who speaks on our behalf and helps us overcome that as we are sanctified, and as we learn to grow in our relationship with him. So the first part of that prayer is lead us not into temptation. Uh, the second part is deliver us from evil. And we need to kind of think through this just a little bit. What are we praying for when we're saying deliver us from evil? What, what, what is the evil that we are uh, asking be delivered from? Uh, I think at least three uh, areas of evil, and I think all these are, are wrapped up uh, in this prayer and in this phrase here. Uh, the first one, even some scripture passages say this, deliver us from the evil one. So deliver us from, from Satan and, and his devices. Uh, because Satan is real, and Satan is definitely working uh, against us, trying to get us to succumb to that. Now, some people have said in the past, there's a common phrase, well, the devil made me do it. Uh, that's not an accurate phrase. Uh, the devil cannot make you do anything. Now, the devil can make you make things look really good to you. Uh, that's what he does when he tempts us. We looked uh, several weeks ago, and he's the angel of light, so he knows how to make things look good. He knows what buttons to push for each individual. Uh, what is common to man, but then also what is common to you. Uh, your sin, uh, where you're susceptible to, may be different than what I'm susceptible to, uh, but uh, but Satan knows how to push those buttons and what we are most susceptible to. So he can make it look really good to us and make us uh, uh, think we need to uh, 
give in to it, just like he did for Eve and Adam there in the garden. Genesis chapter 3 says Eve looked at the fruit. It, it was good for food. Uh, it uh, was, was good for giving them wisdom beyond what they had at that point, although once they got it, it was obviously uh, wrong. But Satan knows how to make things like that look good to us. So that, that's, I think, the first level of what we're praying there is deliver us from the evil one. Uh, give us wisdom as we see Satan and, and what he's doing. He can't make you do it. In fact, for Christ followers, James writing, James's letter tells us that we can actually say, Satan, get out of here. Satan, flee uh, from me. And, and he has to leave us because through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and through us, he will do that. We have to have the willpower to, to say that and do that and not succumb to those temptations. So deliver us from the evil one, but then also deliver us from evil people uh, and evil events, and I think that's a right prayer. Um, We live in a fallen world, so there's no guarantee that uh, we are not going to be impacted by the evil of others around us, Uh, but we can pray for God to keep us safe. In fact, just this past week, uh, we've had two instances of some more mass shootings, which is sad that we see these so often uh, in our society, Uh, and these have come within uh, about a week of each other. The shooting there in uh, Atlanta, uh, the young man, both 21-year-old men, uh, that uh, one that uh, killed the spa workers because of the demons he was fighting within him from news accounts that we have. Uh, he, he thought he was trying to get rid of a temptation uh, in his own life by uh, killing these other people, which obviously was wrong and, and demented, uh, and he was giving into temptation, not only the temptation, the sexual temptations that he said he was fighting, uh, but then also Satan's uh, lies that if you'll just get rid of all these people, that temptation won't be there anymore, and that's uh, obviously... Um, very demented kind of thinking. So uh, that that there, and then we don't know the real motives yet or anything, but just a few days ago now, uh, the shooting in Colorado, uh, 10 people killed, a police officer plus some others that this uh, 21-year-old man, uh, for whatever reason, uh, went on a shooting rampage and killed uh, those people and I think injured uh, others as well. Don't know why yet, uh, but we do know that uh, there are evil people out there, and both these men uh, giving into the temptations that Satan was feeding into their lives, however that was happening, why that was happening, uh, has caused evil to happen to other people. And so we need to pray, and we can be praying. We pray, uh, deliver us from evil. Uh, there's evil all around us. Uh, during Christ Day, they knew of evil people that were out there. Uh, Paul understood these things of, of the evil. All the disciples, uh, except for John, but even John faced persecution. He may have been martyred for his faith. All of them uh, died uh, at the hands of others because of their, their faith. So there are evil people. There are hurtful people uh, out there, not even those that just happen to, you know, that, that take your life necessarily, but there are just some people out there that are willing to uh, uh, do what they can uh, for themselves. They are so self-centered. Uh, they are so uh, self-focused in, in everything they do that they don't care what they do to other people, how they treat them, and, and what happens to them. So uh, we need to be praying for those. But then also, uh, included in this, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil that's in us. Uh, if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that uh, the, the propensity for evil is within us, and, and we are evil. Uh, we may not be mass murderers. We may not be doing something that's going to be necessarily illegal uh, toward others, but uh, evil resides in us. That, that's the battle that we face. That's our sin nature. Uh, and so we, we can be hurtful to others. Uh, we can be self uh, 
serving in, in what we say and, and what we do uh, to the detriment of, uh, of other people. And so there's evil that resides in us. And so we need to be praying uh, that God will deliver us uh, from that, that evil as well. So from the evil one, uh, from evil people, and then even the evil that is inside of us, we need to be praying for. Paul reminds us, actually reminded the, the church at Ephesus uh, 2,000 years ago, but it still fits and is still applicable for us today. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, this is what he says. He says, "'Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil,' against the schemes of the evil one." For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, and then he goes on from there to talk about the armor of God uh, and uh, those passages. We're not going to read that here this evening. But what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus and what he's saying to us today is that we are in a spiritual warfare. Uh, and part of what this prayer is encouraging us to do, uh, this this um, the Lord's Prayer here, is to make sure that we are the soldiers of Christ that we need to be so that we can fight against this spiritual battle that's out there. Uh, we need to put on that armor of God, the, the, the things that he's given us to protect us uh, physically and also to wage the, 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 the defensive kind of armor that we put on, but then also the offensive weapon, which is the, the Word of God, uh, that we take that out there, the truth that it is that, and the work that it does. So uh, Paul is saying we wrestle against, even though they have human faces, even though uh, it's in the world around us, we need to remember that Satan is behind these things, and that's going to continue on uh, in, in this life until Christ comes and sets all things straight. So we are praying, God, deliver us from the, the evil uh, that is around us and, and even the evil that is inside of us. I'm not going to take the time to read it here, uh, but there's a, a good book by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was known for um, a lot of fictional writing, but it was all Christian writing as well, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, he also had a lot of great uh, writings, a lot of books that he wrote uh, for helping us understand uh, the Christian faith. He came to Christianity later in life. He was a atheist, agnostic for uh, much of his life, but came to a saving knowledge of Christ and, and wrote uh, some great literature. One of the shorter books that he wrote, but uh, it, it was an interesting book. It's called uh, The Screwtape Letters. I've read it uh, several times and uh, referred to it fairly often uh, because uh, it's written from the perspective of a uh, an archdemon to a, a demon in training. So when you're reading it, you've got to kind of read backwards a little bit. The enemy uh, in this book, uh, when, it, when it's referenced to the enemy, that's actually God who is good, uh, but uh, these demons are uh, this uh, uncle, actually, of, uh, of Wormwood is... Uh, teaching him how to trip up Christians in, in their faith. Uh, and so the whole book is talking about this spiritual warfare that's out there and how Satan tries to trip us up. Chapter 2, um, again, I'm not going to take time to read it, but ba at the basis of that, uh, the the patient, which is the person, has become a Christian. And um, Screwtape says, well, don't, you know, don't fret too much over that. We've got a lot of people out there. If you'll just get him to focus on people, if you'll get him to focus on the things around him, uh, that will basically distract him, especially as he goes to church, you know, Instead of focusing on worship, uh, focus on all these neighbors that are around him and, and, and all the things that he can uh, see and understand about them, uh, that somehow they can get him back into uh, the enemy's camp. And so uh, we see that it's a spiritual warfare, and that whole book kind of uh, is focused on that. 
so as we think about this, the, this prayer here, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, this last part of this, this last phrase in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us uh, from evil or deliver us from the evil one. Uh, notice there that the prayer is not, God, get me out of here. Uh, get me out of this situation. Uh, the prayer is, help me to live in this situation faithfully for you. Uh, we see in Christ's priestly prayer, uh, John chapter 17, just before he's about to be arrested, John records this for us, uh, this prayer where he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, then he prays for future disciples, future Christ followers. And in John chapter 17, verses 15 and 16, this is part of Christ's prayer. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Talking about those that would follow him and and faithfully serve him. So he's not saying, get them out of all this mess, but he's saying, protect them while they're in this mess of this world. Why? Because we become ambassadors for Christ. We become those that can lead to a a better way, a a more righteous way. Uh, We, yes, we have to avoid the temptations ourselves, and then we don't. When we falter and fail, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, will speak on our behalf, and and we can share that with people. We're not perfect. Uh, That's not an excuse, but that is a reality. And so when we pray, uh, we come before God saying, help me to be more like you each and every day. And, and when Christ prays for us, he says, you're not to be set off aside uh, in some utopian society. That will happen when we uh, leave this life and enter into heaven, whether uh, we die and go to be with him or whether he comes back and calls us to be with him. Uh, we will spend eternity in heaven where, where we will have no more sickness, no more dying, no more sin. But while we live in this world, Christ says, I want you to be an example for others. I want you to lead others uh, to a saving knowledge, to show them a better way, to help them overcome the temptation of Satan as well. So as we conclude this uh, prayer, as we conclude looking at this uh, Lord's Prayer, this model prayer, uh, basically at the heart of this prayer uh, is that God wants his people to be battle-tested warriors for him that we are in a battle. We're in a battle with ourselves. We're in a battle with the world, uh, with the evil of this world, with Satan in this world. And he says, I want you to live in a righteous way for me. The church is the training ground for this. And that's why it's so important to be connected with a local body of believers and faithfully uh, and consistently worshiping with them. Uh, Because when the church comes together, that's where we learn together, we grow together, we understand together. You should have your own personal Bible study time and devotional time. Uh, That is great. That is wonderful. That is, uh, uh, should be a huge priority. But you also need to be gathering with other believers because that's where we learn and, and grow together of how do we live in this world in life together. So that's why we offer things here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. We're offering a Sunday school time on Sunday mornings. We're offering Wednesday night uh, Bible studies. We're offering the 10 o'clock Bible study time. Uh, We're offering this podcast as a way to to, to learn. Uh, We're offering, obviously, worship every Sunday uh, to gather together. That's the training ground because the world is the battlefield. That's where we go out and live our lives, uh, and we are called to live in a way uh, that will bring glory and honor to God. So the Lord's Prayer, uh, it begins with praising God for who He is, and it ends with asking God to help us to avoid the pitfalls of this world. Uh, it goes from saying, God, you're our Father in heaven. Uh, you deserve all our glory and praise. We, we desire to faithfully follow you to God, help me to, to, to meet my needs, uh, that daily bread. Help me to be forgiven, even as I am forgiving of others, and then help me to deal with the temptation 
that is common to man. And God, help me to see the right path, the proper path, and protect me, deliver me from the evil that is around here because we need to be faithful for God. Uh, so this prayer, this 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 Lord's Prayer, I, I mentioned as I shared this with the 10 a.m. study this morning, uh, when I was in high school, played football, uh, before every game, our coach would lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I think the reason was maybe to say, God, we want you on our side tonight. <laughs> you know, we want you to help us beat our opponent. Uh, and so if we pray, God's going to gonna be for us, especially if they didn't pray. But I don't know if they prayed, you know, if they were more serious. Maybe that's why we lost a few games here and there. Um, uh, my senior year, we lost our entire season uh, by five points, two points to two teams and one point to another team. So uh, we lost three games, but every game was close. So maybe both teams were uh, praying almost as equally well, but maybe on those three games, they prayed a little harder. I don't know. Uh, now, I'm just joking and all that, but you know, sometimes we use this prayer in that way, thinking that if we just say these words, that somehow God is going to uh, work in our lives. Well, it's not so much about saying the words. It's about understanding those words, believing those words, and understanding what's behind those words. And what's ultimately behind those words uh, is praising God for who he is, recognizing that everything we have, everything we are, comes from him and through him. And he is the one that is going to lead and guide and direct us. When we pray to him, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, God, let me be that light. Uh, Keep me, protect me from falling into Satan's lies and his temptations. Uh, What I think is good because of what Satan distorts, help me not to buy into that, uh, but help me to live faithfully for you uh, so that others can come to know you as well. I hope this prayer, as we've studied through it, uh, has become more meaningful to you and the power of what Christ was teaching his disciples uh, to, uh, to pray here. Uh, it wasn't about reciting words. It was about being more devoted and faithful uh, to God as we serve him. So let us do that in our lives. Uh, we are going to be happier, healthier, more holy people as we truly live out this prayer. Next week, we'll be looking at uh, some different things. Not quite sure where I'm going next week and and where we go from here, Uh, but join me next uh, Wednesday at uh, 5 o'clock or whenever you join me, and we'll be looking at uh, some other aspects of how we're to faithfully serve our Lord and Savior. Let's pray, and we'll end this time together. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for this prayer and the power that's in this prayer. Help us to truly learn uh, what... uh, you called your disciples to pray and what you call us to pray as well of how we need to address ourselves before you and how we need to faithfully follow you each and every day. Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise that is your due. Help us to to know what that is and help us to live faithfully for you. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen.